Sebastian or Jacob, if you want to tell us your story and how you came to, to found high people. Of course. Hello, world. So just maybe a few uh, comments on where we come from and where we want to go. Sebastian and me met in 2011 during our very first um, unexpectedly shared internship. We obviously didn't know about each other back then, but met during this internship in Cologne at a company called Synfy, which used to be the biggest competitor of Spotify these days, uh, first internationalized uh, into uh, other European markets other than their home market. Unfortunately, they didn't survive, but what survived um, on our side was this hunger for um, starting something on our own. Uh, we both Again, like first internship um, made this experience at this very young but fast growing tech company um, that, you know, this is this is the path that we didn't really know about before. And we're, we're extremely hooked from day one. You know, Simfy back then based in, in Cologne, where they grew from more or less one house to another, breaking through walls and, and uh, growing uh, in a way that was surprising for us back then. And we again got to know each other there and um, connected on this dream of at some point building a company and a product um, on our own. And we stayed connected for those past years. We both worked for different tech companies um, all over the globe um, and learned a lot about you know, what it takes to take a company from you know, zero to 10, 10 to 100, 100 to 500 people in those different organizations. And I guess we, learned a lot in terms of things we like and in terms of things we would like to hence reproduce with what we plan to do with or are currently doing with high people but on the other side obviously you also learn things or learn about things that you don't want to do and you don't want to reproduce and i, th I guess those are equally important and valuable um, when it comes to kind of building or sketching out this picture of how you want to work in the future and how you want to build uh, uh, the company that you plan to plan to build. Um, so we kind of reconnected again um, earlier in 2019 uh, with the with the goal to build high people. Um, high people in a nutshell is a, a skill assessment engine uh, for business hiring. So it helps recruiters to um, you know get back some time and focus on what they do best finding people, interviewing people, convincing people to join the organizations. What we do is we take care of um, assessing objectively the capabilities and skills of their candidates, right? So if you're a recruiter, I guess uh, you know what we're talking about. Um, we're basically helping to win back time and then be able to objectively judge if a person is good or bad in terms of their skills. Um, and we, we reconnected on this and we immediately, when we started working on high people, started to have conversation around or conversations around um, what kind of company we want to build, what kind of, what kind of way we want to work. Um, and uh, again, like building up on the experiences we made in the past, both, both good or bad. Um, Sebastian, how, how would you describe the way we kind of tackle this? A whole beast of building a culture and building a uh, building an organization with high people. I think we try to to um, in the first place decide on what kind of company or culture we not want to build. Um, I think this is always. I think we figured this is much easier. Um, and by doing this a lot, 
Um, so over the last years, uh, discussing a lot uh, how work goes, um, what is working in, in the companies we worked back then and what's not working. I think over the last years, we had this continuous discussions, not like consciously, but unconsciously, unconsciously about like, or, or that was framing um, a lot of the, the real discussions we had um, about the culture we want to build at High People over the last month. Um, I think this is like process-wise for us uh, interesting. And um, whenever there's there's not blocks where we th where we say okay, let's discuss culture now, um, or there hasn't been these blocks over the last month. It's more like when we are just working together. Um, we, we stumble upon things where we say, okay, this is interesting. Um, let's let's write this down. We want to do this um, more often when it comes to hiring people. We want to do this with the people. We're going to work together or we not want to do this. And this is, I think, um, the process of, of how we how we try to develop the culture in this early, early days. It sounds like you've been meeting for a long time and sort of saying, oh, this is happening at my at my current company and I and I don't like this or this is not the way I would build a company. And, and I think those are those are discussions that everyone has. Right. Um, everyone mm -hmm. meets up with their friends and says, oh, I'm frustrated by this. You know, if I had my own company, I would do things really differently. And what I, I would love to know. Um, because you, you guys are also creating something in the people space, right? So you're creating a, a tool for people that are trying to build cultures, right? So I'm not saying there's more pressure on you to build a great culture, but what what I am saying is, you know, what what were those things that you identified or what were the, the really the, the deal breakers for you that you really aligned on and said, we just don't want this in our, in our company that we build? Hmm. To answer this on a positive note, I think everybody <laughs> has met great um just generally people uh, in their workspaces in the past can be bosses can be co-workers um and you know we tend to basically look back at these encounters and try to learn something from those and i think kind of a general assumption we operate on um whilst building high people is that you can learn something from everybody yeah. and it's an it's an important point to make because especially in this kind of sometimes weird startup tech business ecosystem um, you know, when you look at growing companies big headcounts there tends to be a lot of ego um, in place and um, you know both Sebastian and me really had great bosses and co-workers in the past um, that we were able to learn a lot from and then also gave us the feeling that you know this is a two-way street um, and, and this was one of the kind of early learnings that we made and also points that we agreed upon when we um, decided to, to build this company that, you know, it needs to be uh, in an environment where there's shared, um, shared ownership and shared understanding of, you know, it's, it's, there's it, it a chance to learn something from each other every day um, and ignoring hierarchy, ignoring backgrounds. Um, and I think that's maybe kind of, it's a bit early to say so, but uh, hopefully looking back in a year or two from now, we can say that, that this still is kind of piece, a piece of the core DNA of, um, of what high people is. And, and again, like I think the, the modus operandi, the normal, normal way to go at some point is that people say, I'm, I specialize in a certain field. Uh, I reach a certain hierarchy level, um, basically classifying themselves as A or B and saying, okay, you know, that means that I'm, 
basically don't you know don't want to or can't learn from other people that are again in a different field and or on a different hierarchy level and i think that's pretty um toxic for company company cultures right because mm-hmm. if you don't have this shared sense of ownership um you know sense of shared ownership and you don't have this kind of shared feeling that you can learn from everybody around you because everybody is great and talented then this is the the starting point of all the things that we all know mm-hmm. silos um teams that don't trust each other um fights in between hierarchy levels etc I, I think it's I think it's a good uh, well great value to have. I, I I think it's a sad sad thing to admit, but I always think about what values I would have also in if I had my own company or something like that. And one of those things is always uh, kind of leave your ego at the door, right? I I, I do love um, culturally flat. Uh, companies, right? You need to keep this open that people people learn from each other, that people can approach anyone, no matter who you are. Um, you can learn from each other, and that you're always inquisitive to to get to know people and and mm-hmm. have that personal connection. I think it's important. The what I, what I would love to, I think it's great that you already think about that now, um, and I think obviously you know uh, where I work, it's it's a, a big scale up and it's kind of heading fast towards 2,000 people um, at the moment and um, one lesson I can probably share with you is that and you probably know this but I think the communication is so important having having a good communication telling stories like keeping it on a personal level and it's important to having to keep in that kind of culture right as you grow because um, I, I see that as you as you say it's natural that when things grow very fast or, mm. or grow big it's very hard sometimes to to keep that um to, to keep that egoless um culturally flat uh, company because people i don't know whether it's the human nature but protectionism of your own area or your status and things kick in and you need to have a very honest company to be able to like discuss openly with each other you know why do we feel like this so, so it needs to be like a psychologically safe environment and um and talk about those things so i don't know like i, I feel like ex- talking about this constantly is very important like how, how are you going about it now as you make these kind of early hires what kind of things are you doing um to ensure that this is one of the key things very good point maybe one thing i need to kind of um uh, add in regards to what I said about kind of flat hierarchies, being able to learn from each other, mm-hmm. etc. The f- the obvious flip side of this is that um, this can slow you down as an organization or as a team, right? Because the interpretation yep. of everybody can learn from everybody, everybody's opinion hence should be respected, can be interpreted as everybody's opinion also needs to be discussed. There needs to no be one cons- makes decisions. Exactly. There needs to be consensus and that in result slows down decision making. And I think the our answer to this problem, so I think this problem is very, very prominent. Hence, a lot of companies say, okay, we, we, we tend to go down a different road. We stack up hierarchies. We give, um, we, we give people big titles to make those decisions to make sure we, you know, we can keep pace and keep the velocity that we started with. Our answer right now, but hey, we're still a small team is that we basically pair this paradigm of everybody can learn from something from from everybody and kind of shared ownership uh, in building uh, this company is that we pair this with kind of the um, paradigm of when we make a decision disagree and commit um, i can't refer who who brought this up i think it's a it's a common scheme 
uh, that people can look up. But in a nutshell, it says, you know, everybody's opinion should be heard and discussed, but, you know, decision making also needs to happen. And the result of discussing everybody's opinion doesn't need to be that everybody uh, is in consensus and agrees with um, with their coworkers or colleagues. The result should be that everybody commits to you know what is being decided, which means that Stephen, if we discuss uh, amongst the three of us what the color of our logo should be, you know, if you convince me that the salmon pink of culture side is the best way to go, you know, I'm free to disagree. <laughs> But I have to commit to the decision that you know the group or the individual made in order to 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 be able to move forward. So that's yeah. kind of the balance we try to keep. Yeah, maybe to add with the, uh, the example Jacob just gave, um, deciding the uh, the color of a logo or something. I think um, it's important to build some framework that everybody agrees on before actually discussing stuff. So um, what are we deciding here? Okay, it's about the color of a logo. What should the color represent? Or why do we need a new color? And so on and so forth. And I think this really helps to um, make this, uh, this what Jacob said, uh, committing on something where you disagree um, a bit easier because you have something that you, that you can just use to justify others' opinions or to understand other opinions or decisions. I was reading the Bill Campbell book. It's like Trillion Dollar Coach. It's called. It's quite quite a good one. And he he's someone who he helped uh, Google and Apple to grow um, from quite small sizes. And um, and this was one thing that I think he always he always practiced and and tried to have this um, disagree and commit. Um, kind of philosophy and I think I think it's a nice one to have because uh, like you say you need a framework for something because people need to to understand how you make decisions also in the in the company so that yeah, it's understood quite clearly because that clarity is important right um, I, I've seen it as well here we, we definitely uh, for, for a time we're, we're, we're agreeing by consensus or committee and everyone needed to be involved and that doesn't work right like you say it slows things down we need to uh, and we spent a long time to say hey like looked at our decisions decision-making culture actually on a on a larger scale and we needed to change the way that we were doing things and, and actually you, you have to as a leader I think you have to make decisions um, sometimes and then you have to listen and understand why people maybe disagree uh, but at the same time some people sometimes you have to make a decision and then explain to the person why you made that decision you took that thing on board and then everyone needs to commit and, and move forward right um, I think it's a it's a very important um, thing so it's good that you're you're setting that up from day one. I mean, lots of people probably don't even think about this. What I, what I wanted to add regarding what you said, when you when you grow as an organization and you um, experience that people would protect their areas, stuff like that. Also something that we uh, thought on very early on um, and trying to, to give everybody that gets on board in the early days has enough security in terms of that the person will be able to move to different roles um, and projects over time because we think that a lot of this protectionism in, in actually big organizations comes from fear that people have big fear that they might lose responsibility and they're not able to move to other roles um, and this is I think mm -hmm. what we can fight by providing enough safety um, for people to just develop new skills transition to new fields um, and this this helps to yeah, to decrease this kind of protectionism because people are more empowered yeah. and, and have a high, higher level of self-security. I see this a lot from a maturity perspective, right? Uh, like it's, it's an internal, do you feel comfortable 
in yourself to to kind of let things go a little bit and i think the best the best people that i always work with and and how i try to to get my teams to think is always like work to work to make yourself redundant like bring in great people that can take over these things and then that actually frees you up to to work on the next big challenge that we have and mm-hmm. that that actually creates a scalable company you often see people when it doesn't they don't feel safe or maybe they're inside they're worried oh but if i hire this person then what will i do um yeah. and what will my role become and then it kind of traps you with yeah yeah i think it's very interesting what you say with regards to um when you hire somebody and you, you get afraid okay this person might might replace me uh, one day uh, because Jacob and I, we experienced this actually, or questions about this um, early on with regards to um, having questions from investors and people asking us, okay, what are you guys doing? How is How are tasks and stuff separate between you two? And we always responded and said, actually, we have strong overlaps and we just want to build a lot of redundancy with everything we do. Um, I think this is it's very interesting because we at this very early stage already experienced that building redundancies actually, as you said, free you up. Um, everybody uh, regarding the current state of the company can do everything, um, which does not mean that everybody is doing everything, but actually everybody is enabled to do so because we focus on writing good uh, documentary about everything we do, uh, manuals and so on and so forth, and this really helps. And the, the split between you two, you're both the co-founders of High People, but uh, I guess that uh, you're the CTO, Sebastian, or, or and Jacob is the CEO, or are you co-CEOs? How, how did you separate that? The latter. And I think it's this brings up an interesting point um, that might be uh, worth discussing as well, which is um, kind of common sense and the, the traps within common sense, because you know, the, the way you ask already kind of shows that there's a certain framework that people think think about <laughs> For sure. how companies should be built and founded exactly and how responsibility should be split, um, etc. And like we strongly disagree, um, which doesn't mean we have the perfect answer, but we strongly disagree with this and think that there's loads of interesting other paths that you can take um, when tackling such a complex task like building a product building a team, building a, a company, building a culture. And, you know, when it comes to um, uh, splitting up responsibilities, titles, etc., we're at a stage right now where we kind of realize going into this, just like Sebastian said, there needs to be a degree of redundancy, um, hence kind of shared overlapping work um, between the two of us, um, just to be able to... Um, respond to the ambiguity and the complexity that comes with building a, a company. Um, you can't from the beginning say, and I think that's what a lot of people do, pull out blueprints and just try to follow them. You can't just say, okay, it's day two now, uh, let's split up um, basically who is who, right? Let's, let's agree on roads. Um, so right now, we're co-founders, we're both heading up the company. So you could say we're both MDs, but we don't really care. What we care about is to, like in a shared effort, uh, build a great product, a great culture, and a great company. And we believe that the best way for us uh, is to do this in a non-traditional way. Um, and maybe that also comes with us building um, technology in the uh, space of new work. By definition, what High People does is it kind of challenges the status quo on how HR and recruiting teams are currently working. 
by that is kind of in the needs to be seen in the context of uh, new work we we ask ourselves quite um uh, strongly and intensely earlier this year how will recruiting look in 2030 and 2040 what will change what impact will technology have in the next 10 15 20 years on recruiting um and you know our answer is what we're building now with high people and um, you know automated skill assessment so we need to uh, ask ourselves the same things for collaborative work building a culture hiring a team and whether that's you know our our thought about remote work about ownership about team splits about shared or not shared responsibilities yeah maybe to add just what jacob said with regards to um, these fixed titles that you have that are mostly important for for outside of the company so for everybody looking at the company if you have ceo cfo for example i think it's super dangerous in the early days um, where as a company everything you do you do it for the first time to have like titles that would actually connect to certain tasks and um, not that other people do these tasks. For example, uh, when it's about financial planning, um, if you would have the role of a CFO, this would be in the scope of a CFO, uh, probably for good reasons, but there might be the CEO or even CTO asking very good questions or doing certain aspects of the job much better. And um, I think this is what we experienced early on. So if we do a lot together, especially when doing a task for the first time or setting up a framework for decisions and stuff, it really helps to just do it together when you do it for the first time. And um, titles that would give you some frameworks, what everyone should do, would just be dangerous um, and not give the best results. The same thing is true for the team as well, right? High people basically build yeah. the bridge between science, which in our case is organization psychology and diagnostics, and technology. So who are you going to hire for that? You, you, there's nobody out there who basically is experienced and educated in both fields to an extent that would allow to, to build such a complex product. So we're both, of course, hiring um, talent on both sides of the spectrum. So it can only be like the answer to solving this puzzle is can only be collaborative work and then shared effort um, kind of between these two disciplines. Um, so we can't just say mm -hmm. clear silos from day one. Everybody has their their description and and off off you go. Um, but it needs to be a shared effort between everybody. And I'm curious how you're doing the the hiring process right now because obviously um, you have your own you have your own tool. But um, I, I think the what what you were actually saying to me what would be would be probably get the right people for you is you have to explain this vision right of what you're trying to create i think you have to be able to communicate this really well which you which you just uh, clearly have um really passionately believe in which is great but in order to get the right people that aren't going to break this um philosophy that and and the culture that you want to create you really have to lay it out and say hey you should you should really want to work like this right and try to and try to break the status quo because you might end up with people that say oh yeah it's, it's fine uh, no i really like it i love what you guys are trying to do but they don't really believe it and then they want the title or they want um their role definition they they get uncomfortable with this kind of ambiguity so uh, i'm trying to i'm wondering like how you're doing this in in practice uh, right now because i totally agree at this stage i think you need the builders and you need people that can jump into any task you need uh, great people at this stage so how are you don't get, get us wrong we're not just kind of hiring people who are like us equally 
uh, and interested in everything. We do hire like, very focused specialists, but with a generalist mindset who strive with complexity and ambiguity and say, okay, I'm, for example, um, you know, specialist in, in the psychology in, the, uh, in psychology and in the field of uh, pre-selection and assessment. However, I do have access uh, and interest in, in technology. So specialists by training, but then uh, generalist yeah. uh, 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 mindset. And yeah. I think that's kind of the answer for now. But Stephen, if you talk to us again in a year from now, probably <laughs> we'll face different challenges along the way, uh, which you just described, and might have a different answer to this. Yeah, we have the, also the, the phrasing of what Jacob described as like generalist mindset, but being also specialist and very good in a, in a precise task or area. Um, we also believe that people, we need people that want to work on the company um, at the moment. And this is what is important for us with regards to mindset. So people that want to challenge how the website looks, uh, even though they're not working on it, want to challenge how we do hiring, how we uh, start end calls, whatever they notice. Um, I think this is super important. And Jacob said, probably in a year, you will have first people that are not necessarily working too much on the company, because then probably there's too many people working on the company at one point. Um, if you're in a scalar phase like you are in, and then you need people that are actually working in the company. Um, and this is where I think more more precise role, um, roles are important and people that are mostly focused about this role, they're still interested in, in making the company a better place, but not to the extent that people are that are joining now at the moment. I think it was a super good point that, that Sebastian mentioned. Um, something that kind of underlines this that we uh, tend to talk about from every now and then as well is kind of the division of of um, people that work within a company, um, especially at a scale up that especially at the scale up stage that you guys are in. Um, you know, if you want to generalize, you would probably say there's one group of people who are you know, partners, uh, they work, like Sebastian said, on the company, they make decisions. And then there's people who, are, who tend to be more treated like resources, work on a certain item, work on a certain task. And um, it, it sounds a bit drastic, kind of this division into um, somebody who's a resource and somebody who's a partner. But with bigger companies, I think we can all resonate uh, and empathize that, you know, this tends to happen. And we all have probably been both at some point in our careers. The, the luxury that we have with being a very early stage company um, and kind of moving uh, relatively fast right now is that we can afford to hire, if possible, um, only partners who, again, work on not in the company, um, who have a say in, in, in things beyond their uh, domain expertise. You went through a funding stage recently and what was the best advice you got about building companies good question so you mean from from the from the side of investors or also sparing partners yeah. in the process or? both um i was thinking more from investors um you know they they give you their money or um you know they they impart their wisdom was there anything that stuck in your mind and you thought oh we need to think about that um and actually that's important to to remember yeah there's one thing that uh um, I found very interesting, um, and it's, this is with regards to hiring. So, of course, we were asking investors and also sparring partners. 
like um, we have different profiles for different roles. What do we think? Um, and there was one who said, like, just keep in mind that everybody you hire now will have a huge impact on the company culture and steer not actively, but uh, or, or actively depending on the person, but will have a huge impact on how the company evolves. And um, I think this, this for me was super important. And we had great discussions uh, after this feedback also about um, the people we were speaking to. Um, I think this was really, really good, good wisdom from the investor side. Talks about a lot of important things. Uh, that were important to you at this stage but uh, just going back to the kind of values or that you, that you were talking about how you wanted to set up your company kind of specifically mentioned that ego you, you don't want to have uh, that uh, people with egos at this uh, in in the company um, or I mean I guess everyone has an ego but no no big egos that are going to derail, derail exactly. things at, at this stage I, yeah. I think that's an important thing to differentiate I think it's not about us not wanting like if if we would say we don't want to hire big egos then that's kind of that's the easy exit right because then we say yeah that's you know it's the it's their responsibility with their ego because i think at the end of the day it's the, it's the company's responsibility or when the organization or the culture's effect that either creates egos or uh, kind of harms the creation of them like like you said Stephen, we all have these egos um, but the question of, of what kind of environment you provide, um, where people, you know, do people need to kind of protect themselves and their little empire they've built with, uh, with regards to, you know, the ego or um, are they able to strive with collaboration and kind of a shared effort with everybody? So it's our, it's our responsibility. And um, are there any other things that you thought were, were very important to you as well? Any other kind of values you wrote down and, and you thought we really need to stick to this one? I think as a founder, you can also learn a lot from the way you work in a small team before extending the team size. And something that I would um, mark as special or unique in the way Sebastian and me work is that we um, are super direct when it comes to giving feedback and discussing things when they happen. And this has worked extremely well for us. We need to see how that works now that we increase the team size. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be like 10, 15 people by end of next year and uh, having the first people start wow. at the moment. It, when it was just the two of us, it worked extremely well because it cleared out anything that might have grown to something bigger in, in, in the background and when you don't, don't bring it up, right? Um, and that created a lot of clarity and, and you know, also increased the trust that we have had into in each other because we knew that if something is wrong, if anything is annoying the other person, it will be brought up immediately and discussed um, uh, on the spot and then also cleared out. And I think that's something great if you can, you know, um, make sure that things don't um, grow uh, without being discussed. And that you can clear them out and then move on. Um, and that for us at least created a very healthy uh, environment. It's obviously very direct and probably not everybody's style, but for us it's it's something that worked well. I think it's important to also be authentic, right? So if this is how you, because you, you're going to have a very diverse team, there'll be all different types of personalities, and sometimes maybe being so direct with someone 
one is not going to mm-hmm. uh, work yeah. as well as it does with you between you and Sebastian. But I think you need to be honest with them, right? It's about this communication and, and explaining to everyone that this is how I like to work, right? I will be direct, yeah. uh, but I, it comes from a good place. And I want you to also feel comfortable to tell me if if I've overstepped the mark. So then you can be also empathetic to understanding, well, what are that person's um, boundaries or how direct can I be with that person? But you want to do it in a way that keeps the that uh, that directness in the culture because as you say like if you can actually keep this as you scale and people are honest with each other and they speak up and they're not afraid to say oh oh well i can't say this to jacob and sebastian because they're the founders because sometimes that mentality creeps in right and if you're not you're not communicating that hey please challenge us say speak what's on your mind then decisions can slow resentment can build like many things can happen under the surface right without even knowing it because probably mm-hmm. what will happen is when you're 10 and 15 10 to 15 people at the end of the year you'll be all be so busy you'll you'll kind of be like running <laughs> around doing everything and then you'll be like oh you know and you you won't even know that these things are happening because someone felt like that um because you probably what happens is you and sebastian uh have a very good relationship where you've known each other for what it was eight years right you kind of probably know what each other's thinking and that happens a lot with co-founders right yeah you you will talk all the time you'll know what each other's thinking but then you need to make sure everyone else is on that same page as well and that's the that's going to be the challenge yeah and, and we believe that only works with brutal transparency from day one mm-hmm. and it's, it's again simple stuff like us documenting everything in english from day one like if if we would open our uh drive structure for you now you would be able to understand all our thinking from day one uh to this point in time um and this would definitely you know this would take different shapes and forms in the future but you know being transparent and then not creating the situation like where you know like you said people are um cautious about stepping overstepping boundaries because they um they know that you know people are protective um uh, i mean th- th- that's the thing we want to prevent and there shouldn't be any vanity there shouldn't be any um you know any artificial boundary between you know both vertically and horizontally within the organization what you said about opening the drive and then being able to anyone who joins the company can see clearly what is on your thought process from day one until now in a structured way i think that's very important because i've joined so many companies where you've kind of scaled or you've grown and then uh people can't find information right and then Mm. if you build it um and then one of the most key things to grow in any company i think came from like the advantage book with patrick lencioni probably like some good lessons in there but it was like all about clarity right if you can keep the clarity high and communicate and um over communicate clarity uh then you're gonna build something good is that what you're intending with this or is just you're the natural way that you guys work, that you're very organized or are you in purposefully doing this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think um, with regards to drive, um, we just quickly noticed this um, when you're about to start a company. Um, there's so many things you're working on. It, it, it's not going to work uh, or you can quickly see that this will be a total mess in the foreseeable future. So this is, I think, um, was our main driver but uh, now when when people uh, first people are joining um just had a discussion today about like uh, onboarding um so how do you want to structure onboarding and so on and so forth and uh jacob said like the aim should be for the for the structure or clarity what you said about the drive um that people are actually able to onboard themselves by 
going through a drive and as you said uh, can you clearly understand okay what did these guys do over the last month what are their ideas um, what did go well what did not go well and so on and so forth without having to be too much manually onboarded but do more or less a self-onboarding with regards to what what is the company all about and i think in most organizations first of all you don't have access to a lot of stuff when you start so it's very uh very regulated what you can access and we try to be very very transparent here and secondly it's not thought for for third parties so to say or, or late joiners um so it's yeah it's not as clear as it needs to be it has no introductions uh, it has no manuals and so on and so forth and this is what we try to do uh, to, to ease onboarding and a common understanding and when when you start such an early stage company like ours i think we there's kind of naturally a lot of uncertainty and i think the trick is um and again culture is kind of the operating system of a company um, which builds the foundation for all these things we believe that the, the trick is to have a not clarity versus uncertainty but you know clarity and balance with uncertainty so on one side we want to you know have the maximum degree of clarity when it comes to you know where we come from where we where do we want to basically go to um how are we doing the things we're doing right now um and it can be simple things like onboarding right uh like you know financial security for for the employees um having an office in place that works so kind of creating the the, the basic the layer of certainty um, and, and clarity, but on the other side, uh, in juxtaposition to this, uh, kind of embracing uncertainty as an organization, again, via culture, yeah. right? uh, and really embracing the uncertainty of um, uh, building a product from scratch and, and tackling a market that uh, um, basically with that ideally changing a, a behavior and uh, supporting a change within a pretty big market. and. That sounds contradictory, but we believe that it's kind of the the combination of both. That's that's where the fun is. It, it's good to have a common uh, or very strong operating ground for a company, um, and this can start from people being able to choose what kind of gear they need to perform best, and not getting frustrated about this, and feeling a lot of security about that they're able to perform their job to the best extent. And I think when this happens. Um, or this is secured, then people are very, very open also for ambiguity, uh, for taking risks, uh, because yeah, a lot of capacity that, especially in big organizations, uh, is stolen from frustration about stuff like that. I'm not able to pick the right notebook. I'm not able to get a third screen, or I have to do whatever, send a form that justifies that this, this and that. I think we try to um, get rid of this stuff and just in, invest a lot in, in yeah gear and making sure that the company is is enabling everybody to perform well yeah there's a really cool book that basically on a very abstract level um describes this problem not problem but this phenomenon which is um the book is called anti-fragility by nasim talib the guy who wrote the, the black swan and other fun fun books to read but the concept <laughs> of of anti-fragility in, in his book is that you know systems organizations strengthen with shocks the banking system strengthens via a crisis because it you know 
identifies which are the weak spots and how they can improve. You know, up for discussion if that really worked <laughs> in the last uh, 10 years, but that's a different different topic to, to tackle. Even, even physiologically, right? Like a bone that breaks um, actually repairs stronger, right? Yeah. I think you could even take it to that level. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, like when you build a, a company, hence a culture, um, you know, working towards anti-fragility is also super beneficial. Where again, you with the maximum degree of clarity try to embrace uncertainty and complexity, and by that kind of uh, you know build, build build a path to being even even stronger and clearer um, down the line. Mm-hmm.